0: Today's episode is sponsored by Hymns. You can get a trial month of Hymns for just $5. Go to 4 slash friends. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash friends. All right, let's do it. It's, friends benefits. Friends, 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 friends. Friends benefits. it's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton. Welcome to the show. Today, I sit down and have a chat with Tay Zonday, You probably know him best as the guy who sang Chocolate Rain, the viral video, the internet sensation, and I've known him for as long as I've been in the YouTube world, and he has made a really great career for himself. He's an actor, musician, artist, and he's a very interesting and thoughtful person. Interesting points of view, Uh, and I feel like uh, somebody, if I... He's one of those people. If I was like at a party, not that I would go to a party uh, and tried to have a similar conversation, I don't think. I don't think most people are as open as they are when they put on you know, a pair of headphones and talking into a microphone, even though more people are going to hear about it. I feel like they open up more, and uh, I, I believe this is one of those conversations. I recently did a stand-up show, and uh, somebody in the audience uh, told me that I looked like Drew Carey. I reminded them of Drew Carey. And I didn't really know how to take it, but they seemed really hot for Drew Carey, so I took it as a win. Listen, successful guy, I just, I just don't think I look like Drew Carey. I'm not saying I look better or worse. I'm just saying he, we're not doppelgangers. Um, but I took it as a positive. I guess You seemed to like be super hot for Drew Carey. On that note, uh, I'll be at the Comedy Store March 20th at 7:30 p.m. If you want to see for yourself when I'm on stage, do I look more or less like Drew Carey? While we're on the topic of look, 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And the problem is, once you start noticing your hair is going away, it's too late. And it's easier to keep the hair you already have than to try to replace the hair that you've lost. And you wind up like, kind of like, whoa, well, can I move my hair this way? Can I... Put on five hats and then, you know, do you want a bald spot to pop up or do you want to do something about it first? And guys tend to go other – like like what's – can I hang upside down and my hair will start to grow? What weird, like weird things will I read on a message board that I will try? Well, there's a solution, forhims.com It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness for men. Okay, Hymns connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat – hair loss there's well-known generic equivalents, name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair keep it if you have it keep it don't give up <laughs> the fight there's no snake oil pills there's uh, and it's uh, over the counter weird over the counter supplements from a gas station that's that's what you're going to that's what you're going to that's your solution uh no prescription solutions are backed by science there's no waiting room, awkward doctor's visits, and you can save hours by going to FourHims.com. It's easy. You answer a few questions. A actual doctor, yes, a doctor will review and prescribe you products that are shipped directly to your door. It's, it's like you. Sometimes you're willing to do what you need to do it, but you're like you don't want to go through this awkward thing of like going to the doctor. Nobody wants to admit like. I'm getting older or I'm prematurely this or that. Well, okay. for him's takes that all those problems away. All they they know what the problems are. They know, listen, I don't even I I'll buy like 3 of the same shirt in different sizes just because I'm too I just don't want to try it on. I I just don't want to deal with it. And in, in the same way, for him's has it all figured out. They take all that guesswork out and make it very, very easy for you. So order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or pharmacy. So go to 4 slash friends. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash friends. 4 slash friends. First time I worked with Tay, he, uh, was a... Uh, Parody of True Hollywood Story that he used to do. I think I, I, don't, I don't know if they still do it, uh, but it was uh, the True Hollywood Story of the Keyboard Cat. So goes way back. I mean, we're talking like almost ten years, uh, and uh, yeah, we've uh, we've worked together ever since on various pro- uh, projects. Ran into each other at various events, and uh, I think after all this time. Um, there's probably things I want to know about him. Like, I was just like, it's basically, what's up with you, dude? Not in a bad way, but, like, I want to know what's up and how, how do I ask the kind of questions to have the conversation I want to have uh, unless it's in this kind of podcast interview format. Um, but I think you'll find it really, really interesting. So uh, let's get into it with Tay Zande.
1: Okay. Uh, let me turn. Let me turn my phone off, though, because that'll be weird.
0: But it'll make you seem really
1: popular where you're like oh. It's like, Oh my gosh, I had to do Jason Horton's podcast.
0: I feel like kind of, on T V shows where like people are always getting interrupted by their phone, they never shut they do, the concept of either shutting it off or keeping it on silent is never a thing. It's like you know you have the option to like not have it buzz or ring, but they never
1: change it. No, because it's such an easy go-to. It for is ri- right. for writers.
0: Well, like before, <laughs> You don't have house- to.
1: You don't have to pay it a SAG rate. You yeah, know, it's, 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 the phone is just there.
0: And it's a way to kind of like get in or out of a situation or change a situation. Like yeah. now, a cell phone can. I mean, you know, in any like. In
1: but but you do improv. I mean, that's yeah. like that's a really cheap way to wrap a scene or to like. Oh I mean, yeah. uh, Like if <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's what you're re- relying on in your environment, then uh, yeah. Be a little bit more creative. Well, that. I mean,
0: we we could do that when you're like if you're awkward at a party, which I don't really go to, but if I was, I'd be awkward. Uh, I could just pretend I'm on the. You, you the, did obviously. when you were
1: younger. You were a partier then, right? Never, never, no. You've never done it. I had
0: my first drink at 33. Oh wow. Yeah,
1: that's. I mean, honestly, because I, uh, I mean, I. When did I have my first drink? Maybe 25, but I've. Yeah. I've consumed alcohol maybe five times since i was 21 i'm 35 now so right. yeah i don't uh, i really big... don't drink much I, yeah. don't, I don't like this it burns it yeah. like burns my face and my sinuses yeah. and uh i just never got into it i don't like soda either though i don't like carbonation oh I'm i do real, I'm, I'm real addicted. sensitive to that
0: no i just uh yeah that's that's what's going to get me is the soda oh wow it's going to get me good. I, I
1: don't understand how people do it
0: <laughs> it's addictive well it's, it's addiction Yeah. If I had to really boil it down, it's, 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 they, I mean, obviously found a way to make it addictive and they succeeded.
1: And it's a caffeine, so it's the addiction nobody (sighs) talks about. Yeah.
0: It's a a very silent killer. I was thinking about when we first, when we first, it was through Totally Sketch we first connected on it.
1: Was it Michael Gallagher? You should get him on here. He's a rock star now. Oh, he's been on here twice. He's been on here here twice. (laughs) Oh, I didn't go through all the podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we just hit,
0: uh, like, uh, you know, uh, I know we, past number 69 oh wow so you're not gonna be number 69 very sorry <laughs> that's a very coveted i'm not a prime one. number yeah no, yeah yeah no 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 you'll be you'll be like 175
1: oh wow that'd there be good i know go. oh, i don't <laughs> know if I'll, i won't
0: live that long um but i feel like yeah michael gallagher's totally sketches the way a lot of us have met <laughs> yeah at least me personally
1: and you know how i met michael gallagher was he was 19 years old working at Mahalo. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
1: that old human search engine from back in the days. And uh, he made sketches for them, did sketch comedy. And uh, he was interviewing enough YouTubers, including me, whom he interviewed in late 2007. Uh, no, he set up an interview between me and Veronica Belmont in San Francisco. What happened to her? And uh, That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyone? Um, Anyone? Anyone? Anyone out there? I'd have to Google. Um But it was a lovely interview uh, in 2007, and uh, then we stayed in touch. And eventually he figured, hey, why don't I make YouTube sketches for myself? And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah.
0: Well, I I know how I have first had some kind of contact with you before that, because I was working for the E! Channel, and I mailed you some kind of like licensing agreement. I remember mailing you a licensing agreement and addressing it to you. It's
1: it's the weirdest things Mm -hmm. that people hang on to. And, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but um, I'm very memorable. So people remember these little details yeah. of, hey, you know, I saw you at the airport in San Francisco in 2008, and I was really nervous, and you kind of seemed to be, like, tired, so I didn't want to approach you. And they'll be telling this uh, it, it, 10 years later. I'm like, really? Um, I don't know. It, it's just it's weird because if- I don't have any – I can't – remember all the people who remember me oh well i mean
0: being on you know uh on something like youtube or we're, I mean it could be anyone It could be TV movies People see so much I think YouTube is very More personal So people consume So much of you And then they feel like They're like Oh well I've, But you don't know anything About yeah. the other people Well How I'm also
1: you? I'm also like Big Bird too though I mean it's just like I am what I am I'm right. there yeah. It's yeah. hard for me to hide Right it, Yeah I'm a type as they call it They say it politely in Hollywood Yeah
0: It's like oh you're a type I want to be a hey. type <laughs> so bad <laughs> oh, I wish I could I wish yeah. I wish they knew What to do with me but. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm.
1: No, because you have like range actors and type. Like a range yeah. actor would be like Christian Bale. Yeah. You don't know what he's going to be from movie to movie. Yeah. You don't know what 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 paintbrush he's going to be in telling the story that has been written for him because he's allowed to have range. Um, you know, a type would be more like a Vern Troyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You know, the, you're conceptualizing a a fairly specific type of talent when you're writing a role for Vern yeah. Troyer. Um, whom I I guess if the people listening don't know, he's a, f- a fairly short actor. So Austin Power uh, movies. Yeah, Austin Power, many meeting Austin Power and whatnot. So
0: Where do you uh where'd you grow up originally? Uh
1: the North Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um Elgin, Schomburg, Bartlett, Evanston kind of bounced around. My mom was a uh, both my parents were school teachers, but then my mom was an elementary school principal for 25 years. So did you go to um, that? Sc- did you go to her school? You know, it's funny. She was my principal in first and second grade. Uh, although those years we were living in rural Michigan, um, a little town called Kisopolis, just over the border. Um, uh, From uh, South Bend, Mishawaka. They kind of call that area Michiana if you're from that area. And, uh, you know, she was my principal. And um, (laughs) that's it. I mean, in a small town, everybody kind of knows everybody. So I don't know if that's that unusual. But um, yeah, you know, and I was not a well behaved kid. That's the thing. Like, I always had a very passionate sense of justice and what was right and what was wrong. And so you you were a narc. A snitch. Um oh, I mean that that has another context so, I mean it's <laughs> that's like as like, wait, they were dealing drugs in my school <laughs> <place>. <laughs> and I was just snitching. On <laughs> they put a hit out on me. No. Um uh no, I just uh I remember I was not a well behaved you know what it was? I always thought I was an adult too. So I would always debate. I was always I would I would argue. Like an old soul? I really was an old soul, yeah, I can see that. so um, you know, if I was told to do something, I'd be like, "Well, why? Why is that? Why?" I still get in trouble for that today. People don't like it when you ask questions because we're all in this world where we're fed what we believe and we are, you know, kept in this bubble of things that keep us. Yeah. Don't comfortable. shake so, up! Don't shake yeah, up my yeah, world! Yeah, don't! Yeah, don't rock this. So, like, people don't like questions to be asked now, and I still feel like I get in trouble if I ask too many questions. Like, okay, I guess I won't. Uh, so, and, and uh, do you,
0: what, what was your kind of uh, is like. Back then, like, did you have dreams and goals? Like, I, I want to be this. I, I wanted be a-
1: to be a paleontologist when I was in first and second grade. I loved dinosaurs. And uh, this was back before we realized that uh, dinosaurs had avian lungs and were probably, uh, you know, predecessors to birds. So when they drew the pictures of dinosaurs, they looked like big lizards.
0: Very cool. And, yeah,
1: they looked kind of cool. And, like, you know, um, I thought that I would grow up and – Dig for dinosaur bones. Yeah. And I knew all the names. And um I also The think Land like, Before very, Time was my favorite book. It's
0: movie. very male. I mean, I'm, this is speaking as a male, <laughs> it, it's or dinosaurs are so, so cool. I feel like there was a very at least when I was a, a very me- tradit not traditionally but stereotypically masculine thing like really? stegosaurus is like tough and tyrannosaurus rex and then the transformers cartoons had dinosaur versions i don't know i feel like there's was a, it it definitely like appealed in a way that
1: that may be the case because i was not allowed to play yeah. with violent action figures yeah. as a kid i was not allowed to play with gi joe and he-man yeah. and um, my parents are fairly progressive, but also uh, strict. So I was a very parented child. So I never thought of it that way. Yeah. You see, I'm already gaining new insights into my own no. psychology being on this podcast. Maybe I, my interest in dinosaurs was searching for some sense of masculinity and some semblance <laughs> of a male superhero that I could celebrate.
0: I, I mean, uh, I, I felt like it was just. I felt like it was without, marketed to 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 to. Or appealed the marketing appealed to boys, not
1: necessarily like movies like The Land Before Time. Yeah. I remember, uh, I mean, with the cute characters like Sarah and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I remember it very much being marketed as a family yeah. thing. And uh, there, I guess there was a dinosaur phase in pop culture from yeah. the late '80s, to early '90s. Well, Jurassic
0: World is, I mean, it's back now. Yeah. I guess, yeah, can't get away from it. Absolutely. So, what, what uh, was there like? Was up there a point where like music kind of? I mean, music enters everyone's like whether it's a pedestrian or you're just as a that's as what I always say people yeah. people ask
1: me, well, how long have you been singing? and I always say people are born singing, they're yeah. untaught how to sing as right. adults, yeah. most people are just taught, well okay, either you're bad at this or don't do it, but children naturally sing, they naturally vocalize, mm-hmm. so um, I guess I just didn't totally unlearn that, but um Uh, We had a grand piano in my house when I was a kid. My mother uh, pursued music uh, with some success earlier in her life. Um, She won a show called Ted Mack in the original Amateur Hour in the 1950s and uh, was a color to a soprano. Uh, But, you know, my mom's black, my dad's white, kind of in the period of the 60s where my mom was starting to have success as a a, uh, younger girl. Uh, there weren't as many opportunities for African-American women to be successful in opera until about a decade later. So uh, she ended up going down a different path. But um, uh, we all had the opportunity to take music lessons, and and, and it was part of our family as, as a kid. But I would say my mom chose not to force me to learn music. She chose not to be a disciplinarian. She felt that uh, that sort of compromised the relationship if she tried to be both a sensei and a parent. So um, sometimes I wish she had pushed me a little bit harder because I did take some piano lessons, but <laughs> um, I ultimately uh, let it fall by the wayside and it became basically a hobby. Uh, I was in graduate school in Minneapolis uh, pursuing a PhD in American studies because I always figured out as a kid that I wanted to be a PhD in something. That's what I moved into after dinosaurs. I watched Star Trek. Uh, the next generation. I love Lieutenant Commander Data. I love the idea of Spock and Data and being smart and just analytical be, and yes, just being able to walk into a room and sound like the smartest guy and be the smartest guy. Being the youngest of my two other siblings, you know, my, my brother's six years older, my sister's 11 years older. So I was the youngest by quite a bit, always surrounded by older, smarter people. And so I think part of the drive to sound smart and be articulate and uh, be intellectual came from that. And so uh, spock and data and wanting to become a doctor of somebody was always in my head and that's exactly the lack of focus with which i entered graduate school i was in undergrad in communications had an advisor being like hey i got my phd in american studies i didn't have to know what i was doing and i went into grad school not knowing what i was doing uh but i continued to have music as a hobby. And in Minneapolis, it's very cold, but I remember dragging my keyboard, my open uh, – my an amp, uh, sometimes along with that keyboard to open microphones at small mom and pop cafes uh, around the city and playing for two people, maybe three people, half of whom would be reading the newspaper. And – Along came YouTube in 2006, where I was like, "Hey, why am I going to all this effort to play for nobody?" Minnesotans aren't honest with you. They're wonderful people, but they're a little bit too nice. There's so. a lot of
0: good music that came from Minneapolis. So. Oh,
1: beautiful, beautiful musicians! Mm-hmm. But you ask Minnes- Prince, yeah, but but you ask Minnesotans. Well, how did how did I do? Did you like that? And They're like. Yeah that, well, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Uh you know, keep keep at that. Yeah, keep keep yeah. doing that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they won't tell you if they really think you were terrible or if you were great. Um uh just because you know they're not super confrontational. In New York they will. Yeah. You know, on the East Coast they have no problem. Boston, anywhere on the East Coast they'll be very honest with you. But uh so I started recording videos in my living room. I wanted to create an alternative name. My government name is Adam Bonner. I'm like, well, I figure I'm going to still be an academic and publishing papers or doing museum research or whatever happens when I finish my PhD. You
0: didn't want to have the, the, the Adam name be connected to everything. Yeah,
1: no. I wanted to do this music project as kind of like, okay, I'll call my music this character. And so in January 2007, I was Googling catchy names. I put Tay Zonday in quotes, uh, with and without a space. How? How do you come up um, with those letters together? Um... You know, they just roll off the table. Uh, of no, it does. But, it does. But the end uh, of the story uh, is, uh, it got zero results on Google. And, and, and is so, that good or that's good? That's good. Yeah, because that I knew it was going to be mine, so I took Tazonde dot com and dot net. So you're and analytical and from the .net. very
0: beginning when it came to your marketing. I mean, I
1: was very deliberate in building that brand. Um, And I knew if you heard Cezanne in conversation, it was clear how it would be spelled. Uh, That's the biggest thing I find when anybody is pitching anything to me now, whether it's a show, a podcast, there's this app that I'm doing. I Google it, and I really question, is this – a unique Google name? Are you at the top of your own Google results for what the name that you are handing out on your business card? And a lot of people who are very smart still don't have that intuitive sense of branding to this day where you know, the first thing anybody is going to do with any endeavor that you pursue in your life is Google you so you're
0: reverse engineering the process. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you're not at the top of your own Google results, then you know you're <laughs> right. Already, plus you know, your
0: name is is phonetic. It's like it it's spelled the way it sounds for the most part, and yeah. it's it clearly if if I wanted to be, like, oh, I gotta I'm gonna look this guy up. That's the worst thing when people have like weird, you know, website names, Twitter, and I was like, oh, I don't know how this is has this spelled, like, yeah. and then you never find it, and then it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. But yours is guaranteed that you know. I'm, you're probably going to spell it correctly within like a you 95 know, percent success yeah. rate. Well,
1: some people ended up thinking it was Tay-Zon-Day oh, okay. it instead of day, but yeah. you know the spelling was the same. But uh, in any case, you know I did get honest feedback on YouTube in my early videos. My first video was singing "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot," but way deep like Paul Robeson. So like <laughs> "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot," and uh, you know people would tell me oh my gosh, my ears are bleeding, you sound like a didgeridoo, have you ever heard of Australian throat singing? I don't think this is ever going to be mainstream. I'm like, oh, okay, well, at least they're telling me what they really think (laughs) as opposed to uh, the open mics where I didn't get that type of feedback. But um, uh, I kind of learned to sing an octave higher in the baritone range, which is where Chocolate Rain ended up being up uh, because I figured it would have more mass appeal. And... um, Chocolate Rain was a song that I ended up uploading as an afterthought. I had completed a number of songs on YouTube, and you know, I had a small following on YouTube. There were a number of us in the early days on YouTube. Uh, they had a friend system where you could add friends, and then after you added friends, you could invite them to subscribe to your channel. It's funny, a uh, little-known fact, one of the first friends that I had on YouTube uh, under YouTube's friends system was the Kid Raul channel. Uh, which actually ended up being it's Justin Bieber's channel, okay. and at that point, uh, you know, Justin, he was just another kid, and his mom was uploading videos for him, saying, "Hey, my kid can sing and he can dance to you know Michael Jackson and Usher, and and he was a talented singer and dancer. But uh, of course, uh, the rest, as they say, is history on that. But. Um, uh, I had another video, Love, that I'd done with a a collaborator in Australia that they announced they would feature on the front page back when the front page of YouTube was human-curated. And that was, like, the biggest news in the world at the time in 2007, getting the news that you would be hosted on, or featured, rather, on YouTube's front page. So uh, I thought I should double-dip. I needed to finish this other song that I'd been writing and have it auto playing on my page so that that would get traffic too. So, you know, I just spent about six weeks writing the lyrics to Chocolate Rain. The riff had been in my head for a couple of years. I rushed it to be completed that weekend and just put the video up. Um, you know, it was maybe at 30,000 views after uh, a couple of months, which, you know, wasn't nothing back in
0: 2007. I mean, it's something now still with the amount of videos that are out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And um, someone posted it on dig.com, which is like Reddit, in June of 2007, and uh, uh, social bookmarking site. Uh, it was seen by someone who's part of 4chan. And then posted on 4chan, which is a message board. Of You can Google them. There's lots of news that's tied to 4chan and Anonymous and whatnot. Uh, some of uh, ill repute and some... Sure, I, I sure, got, sure. But, you know, yeah. Uh, um, but I won't be their biographer. Mm-hmm. But in any case, it sort of became a joke on that site. And uh, the first sense I got that the video was going to go viral uh, was someone prank called Tom Green's web show that he was doing at the time. And... Uh, in the middle of the call, they broke out singing chocolate rain. Da-da-da. And uh, Tom Green kind of responded as a joke, like, oh, chocolate rain. And line." hung up the phone. And I was like, oh, that's the first semblance of a known person who I could actually name. Like, okay, maybe he did Freddie Got Fingered or whatever, yeah. but I knew who he was uh, uh, singing this thing that I did on the internet. And um, you know, a couple days later, Carson Daly. Uh, Featured it on his TV show, which was a late night show at the time on on, uh, primetime TV, and it became a national news story where in the first two weeks, uh, I believe this was mid-July 2007, I was asked to do radio interviews and just uh, literally a nerd plucked out of my element, and you listen to my early interviews, they're terrible. Uh, my first satellite interview on CNN, I think I said, um, um, you know, you know, um, about 35 times. There's, no, there's
0: not a lot of precedent, though, for, 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 you know, that's I mean. true. There, yeah.
1: w- there were no breadcrumbs to follow for going viral at the time that I did. I couldn't be like, well, what that did-? word
0: viral wasn't, was barely yeah. around yeah, there. Yeah. Like,
1: what did, what did Rebecca Black do? What did Antoine Dodson mm-hmm. do? What did Damn Daniel do? <laughs> mm-hmm. There wasn't anybody. Uh, there were other videos that were going viral. Uh, like Soldier Boy's Crank That, uh, Chris Crocker's Leave Britney Alone went viral about a month later. But I was the family friendly viral. I was the viral video that YouTube liked for PR reasons because at the time, YouTube's biggest competitor was MySpace. And then Facebook was this young up and comer. And YouTube needed a signature event that defined what could happen on YouTube that could not happen on any competing platform. So this idea that one person was able to upload a video and then thousands of people parodied the song, uh, remixed Chocolate Rain singing their own videos in front of bedsheets and singing "Minstrel pain or whatever other joke they could come up with related to it. um, It became a phenomenon and YouTube actually reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to feature a, Front Page Takeover, where we just take over the front page with Chocolate Rain and derivative videos uh, that people have used to remix it, and they did that. So it was really this perfect storm of, uh, you know, I had, for totally incidental reasons, decided to put a downloadable MP3 with the song because I was mad YouTube wouldn't play videos in stereo. So I was like, okay, I'm going to provide this as a free download so people can hear it in its full quality. I happened to do a song that it was very easy to loop the first part of the MP3 and resing on top of it. So many ducks had to line up in a row uh, for it to find success. And uh, when, in that crazy moment of heat where I, you know, everyone and their mother is trying to contact me uh, in the entertainment industry. So, you know, three of the four major record labels at the time were trying to contact me to sign me, uh, booking agents, literary um, guess those are literary agents. Uh, People wanting me to sing at their kids' bar mitzvahs, people wanting me to sing at their corporate parties. Uh, And I was not ready for any of this. I was literally just a full-time graduate student who did music as a hobby in my living room, and suddenly... Were you
0: in Minneapolis at this time? I was in
1: Minneapolis, still in graduate school. Uh, And in fact, if if anyone uh, knows about how humanities PhDs work, there's two parts. You do your coursework for three years, and then you take your prelim exams... And then you're allowed to do your research to finish the Ph.D. for another couple of years. Uh, I had my prelim exams that summer. (laughs) So uh, it was just a very, very busy summer. And I kind of had to decide, do I want to drop everything and pursue entertainment or do I want to continue in grad school? I decided to try to continue. Um, uh, It didn't ultimately work out. Uh, Eventually, I kind of fell out of the Ph.D. in my department. And I agreed that, hey, um, you're not really focused on this. Uh, about a year later, I uh, was kindly asked to leave and given a master's degree so uh, at that time, uh,
0: not a bad consolation for not us. a bad
1: consolation, but the other interesting phenomenon is like when it was happening in that peak of heat, I didn't know how long it would go on for I figured. Hey, this is what it's like to have 15 minutes of fame. This is what so
0: you, you, you were you conservative with what what you? Thought? I was
1: very conservative. I think because I played it safe. I was very conservative. I didn't really appreciate the amount of heat that I was experiencing that summer, where suddenly I'm nobody, and then I'm on the front page of Sunday's L.A. Times doing Jimmy Kimmel uh, that October. I opened for Girl Talk at First Avenue, which is, of course, you know, an iconic kind of club in, mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Um, Hindsight being 2020, I probably would have done a little bit more to to run with that. But you never know. You, you like uh, it ended up being the Energizer Bunny, where it kept going and going and going. Where the following March, I uh, won a YouTube award and went on a press tour. I was uh, parodied on South Park. Uh, that following summer, of 2008, I won a Webby award, uh, and I kind of ended up becoming iconic and identified with this period of the internet and with the idea of doing internet videos to a point where to this day, uh, someone who does not remember the video chocolate rain and might not even remember the name Tayson day. They'll see me, uh, sitting across the room at a, you know, like a mall food court or the DMV. And they will be like, you're that guy from the internet. You did that video. And, uh, it's an interesting dent to leave in the universe, as Steve Jobs would say.
0: Uh, is that something that you are like, I, I don't mind this? Or is it, do you have any? I just, I, I don't know if there's people out there that are kind of resent their, what they have. Or they're like, hey, listen, this is what, it is what it is. And it's cool. Um, you know,
1: there are very, very talented people in this town, Los Angeles, and all over the world who work their entire lives and they don't get a single calling card. There is you know, nothing in the public mind that that uh, sticks out for them. And so I look at it positively. If you get a calling card, uh, enjoy it, roll with it. You know, uh, if uh, Alphonse Ribeiro walks in the room uh, right now, he has done all sorts of work in entertainment. He's hosted, he's written, he's directed, he's a very talented dancer dancing with the stars, done all sorts of things. But when he walks in the room, what do you remember? Carlton. The Carlton yeah. dance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, know, that's just a calling card that's in his pocket. And so I, I look at Chocolate Rain the same way. Uh, when I walk into a room, uh, it's like, you know, a certain number of those people will have sort of an old business card of mine in their pocket where they'll have an experience that uh, touched them or that's memorable. And it's odd how Chocolate Rain became something like um, you know, I would say, you know, my parents' generation, uh, is always going to remember a certain number of things, like, they'll remember when they heard that JFK got shot, they remember when, uh, they heard that John Lennon, mm. that, like, moon not, landing, I, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, not, not to, not to use morbid examples, Yeah, but, but um, uh, you know, a lot of people remember where they were when they first heard Chocolate Rain or what they were doing. And it's funny to hear adults now who are you know, maybe in their 20s go, Yeah, you know, I was in seventh grade and uh, somebody came we, up were to me. Com- yeah. we were in the computer lab and we were passing it around and uh, is, going, Is that real? Is, is his voice real? And it was just a really uh, definite memory for a lot of people.
0: Um, I, so I remember seeing your Dr Pepper commercial. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, after I remember, I, after I've said that I hate carbonated beverages in this podcast, right? right, right. Uh, I but, guess I guess they won't be coming back to me. No. Uh, although yeah. I will say the diet cherry chocolate Dr Pepper, it was at the higher end of carbonated beverages. Good. Now I listen, you're not not going to get an argument <laughs> out of me. I think it's good. I thought it was a good move. Uh, so it's uh, interesting. What, so... What's funny? There have been case studies on that. I was at an ad agency. Uh, here in LA, uh, a, a major national ad AGC, some, someone runs up to me and they're like, "You were in a case study in my college marketing class." I'm like, "Really?" So it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, uh, you're you're shaping young minds. Apparently, you're
0: responsible for their success or failures <laughs> in some in some small way.
1: Yeah, but I guess that really was one of the first examples yeah. of a uh, a sponsored video. But that's a perfect example of. I really didn't know what I was doing, and so I had to try everything. I didn't know what it would be like to turn Chocolate Rain into a Dr. Pepper ad. Um, that wasn't the plan. The plan was for me to write an original song and have that be the theme song, but the production deadline approached, and it was about two weeks until it was about to be uh, done, and they were like, we don't like anything you're making, Tay. You already have a successful song. Let's just write lyrics to it and pay a producer to uh, sure. do it. And I was like, fine, I'll roll with it. Yeah. And uh, I just had to see how it went. Do you feel like
0: your your life... I know your life changed, but do you feel like you... Did you... Were you aware of any change? Or were you like, it's still me now just dealing with these things? Or do you think it changed you in any way, for better or for worse?
1: Um, I was very, very confused in the time that Chocolate Rain was blowing up, and especially when Cherry Chocolate Rain came up, because um, in so many ways, Tay Day became a character, um, you know, I did character-y things in the uh, Dr. Pepper Add the Cherry Chocolate Rain video uh, where, you know, the original Chocolate Rain video was just this really sweet moment of my not being self-aware in any way and being genuine. And I think a lot of people latched on to that. And uh, when I did other things like Cherry Chocolate Rain, it just – it took the brand in so many different directions that um you know I, and even when chocolate rain blew up a lot of people uh you know most people found it to just be funny uh i am a small person relatively i sing with a deep voice i have interesting mannerisms i move away from the mic to breathe in that ended up being printed on a shirt that got sold in to- uh, hot topic um all of these aspects uh, maybe 20% of people gathered that maybe the song is about something deeper or something more meaningful. Uh, so in my kind of new experience of the entertainment industry, I had to decide, do I allow this to be comedy? Should I? I didn't intend for it to be comedy. I'm not offended by the fact that it's comedy, but it just really wasn't the angle that I had intended to go with. I always joke that I'm terrible at intentional comedy and I'm great at accidental comedy. And as soon as I try to be funny deliberately, then it just doesn't work. But me just being me, uh, I am a fantastic, you know, what they call the straight man, what they call, um, uh, is there a, a gender neutral way to say it? I feel bad calling, but you've done improv. You know, like sure, yeah. Stra- yeah, yeah the, the straight person. The, yeah, yeah. As a, the straight um, as opposed to absurd. Right. Um, uh, and uh, I think if I had known that, Maybe it would have brought a little bit more awareness to what I was doing in 2007, but I I didn't know. I mean, it was the first time for me, and I I knew that the moment of heat would come and go faster than I could take a journey in terms of learning about myself. I had so much to learn about my brand, who I was, what I wanted to do, uh, that I would just have to make the best choices, the best shot, uh, call the best shots that I could, and... You know uh roll with it, and I got very lucky that the moment of heat tended it, it lasted a fairly a fairly long length of time.
0: well I was, I was gonna say it's you know the world of YouTube is you know a lot of people you see you, you know you go to VidCon every year, you've gone enough times to see people. I have
1: actually been to every VidCon yeah. that is correct.
0: so it's same here really? uh, uh, and you see people that are like people are losing their minds for and the next year
1: nothing. Absolutely, Um, I'm one of those people. So, but but, however, here's the thing: you know what? Like, people recognize me; they just don't care anymore because, which is kind of like this perfect place to be, where it's like, oh yeah, there's that guy. I took a picture with him four years ago, right?
0: (laughs) But there's still there's there's like kind of like a there's like a purpose, you know, in the beat. But I think it's because you never, and I think where people later on, where they become like really popular, they think like this is gonna last. Forever, I'm wonderful, I'm great because people are telling me that I'm great. And then by the next year, or maybe the year after, they've become like irrelevant in, in, in comparison.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you certainly find out who your true friends are. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when you're hot, every you can't keep anybody off you when you're hot. Yeah. Everybody's approaching you to do any type of thing on the planet. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's one experience and I think it's valid. But, um, you know, now, Uh, You know, the the biggest difference now, though, is when I was having, you know, I was the bee's knees and very hot in 2007 and said, hey, I have huge numbers on the Internet. Uh, I could meet with Hollywood agents and they'd pick me up like a wet piece of lettuce and be like, so where are your TV credits? Where are your feature film credits? It didn't mean anything to them at that time to have big numbers on the Internet. Uh, whereas now the world is you can leverage that is yeah. completely opposite. There's almost sort of this fetishization of social media metrics and inflating them and and seeming like you're somebody. You know, uh, I always tell people looking to um, you know, grow their social media that like, discoverability is more important than um, your audience size. That uh, you know it goes back to what I said earlier. Someone who can, can Google you and find you uh, and find out what you've been doing recently then you know that's key because uh that's a long a better longer game that's a better long game yeah. i almost look at my social media now as sort of a resume so to speak um you know it's not so much about numbers because youtube has changed completely uh youtube now it's about uploading 20 30 minute videos sure. five <laughs> days a week and yeah. getting people to come back and and spend or a twice
0: l- a day sometimes or yeah
1: and spend a long time on the platform whereas uh a video like Chocolate Rain or if you're doing music videos uh, in the way that I did my content was divisive it was alienating there were some people who looked at it and they were like I feel uncomfortable uh this guy looks like Janet Jackson he think sing- <laughs> he sings like Barry White I don't know what I don't know if he's using a voice changer like it wasn't all just this warm embrace from the world there was uh, some pushback too. And now all of the social media platforms are designed to prevent user alienation. They're designed to prevent you from seeing anything that could disturb you, challenge your preconceived notions. Keeps you in that bubble. Yeah, it keeps you in that bubble, like we said. So, um, content like viral, uh, like I almost called it viral rain, <laughs> <laughs> content like chocolate rain doesn't go viral as easily now.
0: Yeah. Oh so uh well I know I remember you like you know, seeing you in a lot of projects like uh internet famous Right, mm-hmm. very funny. I thought that was hilarious. Oh yeah, my- Michael's it's, great. Yeah, that was very. Uh, it was just a very... not a
1: single chocolate rain joke in that movie. No, I happens. know. Oh no, actually, I guess it was at the end. At, I at did the end, say, yeah. I, but at the end, that was fun. That, that, yeah. that was like after. That was an after, that, thing. but you after. were. It was
0: just a very funny kind of real thing of like. you yeah. You have to see. You know, go see Internet Famous. It's a yeah. good. It's, it's, a good it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Go um, see it. Uh, it. Tastes great in it. I'm yeah. in it for a second. And I'm yeah. great in it too. <laughs> uh,
1: I always joke that my acting career is on the friends and family plan. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I have plenty of I to be credits uh you know uh but it's rarely from an audition or an open cattle call where uh you know a thousand people showed up and they suddenly whittled it down to me like you're the one to play that role it's always people who know me and have seen me in person and have a concept of what my range is and where i'm you've already
0: auditioned ten thousand times for them inadvertently yeah Yeah, inadvertently because
1: they might be real life and they're like oh this, this would be a great role for Tay. Why yeah. don't we bring him in for this? Um, which, is, it's kind of frustrating. Um, I would say dream come true in the future. I would If I could choose how to make a living in entertainment, uh, it would absolutely be acting on camera. Um, I feel more real with lights in my face and being on a set delivering lines that someone else has written in fiction uh, and being that character than I do in real life. Um, and part of that is because my real life is so fictional, yeah. Uh, it's so you know, people uh see me and they see a, a distinct experience that they've had. Um, so I feel more real on sets than I do off of sets, uh, in terms of acting. But um, I think it's also a challenge because the people don't really write stories for types, uh, especially for types, uh, actors who are specific types to be leads. So you know, I've gone to auditions where. I'll read for a relatively minor role, even for something, you know, CSA casting director, Netflix special, whatever, and and the line is literally like something, all right, let me slide this cap across the table. And I'm reading it exactly the way that I would deliver it authentically, uh, but somehow that's not right for that particular role. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting um, the way casting and the way entertainment works, but I also look very young. Uh, you know, I'm 35. I don't really look older than 20 on camera. So,
0: I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, So that so that's another reality of, sure. of uh, you know, there may be some opportunities that I'll have when I'm looking a little bit older, because naturally I would play roles of authority. I would play the chief of police, mm. the uh, senator, the governor, the uh, professor, the the
0: narc or snitch the second grade narcos <laughs> so, yeah yeah yeah. i mean uh, i could see it i'd, I'd listen i'd catch hey. in a second uh so what's so what's 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 going on now what do you do are you, are you just like just like me just like us just like all of us in hollywood just finding our place and and you know working as much as we can and just enjoying life is like that, that's what's going on with you right now
1: uh, that's a great description. No, no, you, there's so much pressure in Los Angeles to answer this question mm-hmm. in an impressive name-dropping way uh, where you're supposed to name-drop every project that mm-hmm. you're part of. And, and, you know, people joke that LA is fake because, you know, the answer to that question is always like, oh, well, you know, I was just on a setback yeah. with Quentin Tarantino and this and that. And, that. and um you know, I... Uh, I think it's okay to just be in a mode of exploring. Uh, the answer I give when I come into the country through U.S. Customs and they ask me, what do you do for a living, is I say that I'm an entertainment. Uh, what that means, if so I have to break it down, is I sing, I act, I do voice work. Um, uh, I've had some success doing voice work. Uh, but you know that's also something I don't brag about, because especially if you're doing that, it's really about the client and not necessarily about the talent so i uh i try not to make things about me being the particular talent if it doesn't really need to be about me
0: uh well listen i uh i i just i don't know i think we both have uh you know been like through the in that youtube world for so long Mm -hmm. and still are like still in it and with a lot of other people and um I don't know. I feel like I owe, we, we always end up working together, or I see you and stuff like that. And uh... yeah, our
1: our friends are becoming pretty successful. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the 2007 cohort of YouTubers. Yeah, uh, you I mean, know, R- doing... Rhett and Link have a big production company. Everyone's the, the, doing great. The, the Fine Brothers are doing great. Uh, everyone's, um, everyone everyone Me- learned a Michael lot. Michael Gallagher. Yeah. Shane Dawson. We were in a couple of his videos. Yeah. He's he's doing fantastic. So <laughs> everyone's doing great. Yeah.
0: Everyone. I'm happy for everyone. Everyone's doing great. <laughs> but I'm most happy for us.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's where can we find you uh, online? Um, you Google Teyzonde. See, uh, they... <laughs> gotcha. See, that's uh, that's
0: that's the big takeaway yeah. from this. Is
1: uh, all my reels are on my website, Teyzonde Yeah. So not uh, day. Yeah, it's day. But it, if you put it all com. together, it's going to be the same thing. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me.